It's a dark, rainy night. You're sitting in your darkened room. The only thing illuminating it is your computer monitor. With headphones on and your face buried into nostalgic YouTube videos, you spot something in your peripheral vision. Not anything identifiable, but a movement nonetheless. You jerk your head to look at the movement, but see nothing. This continues on several times throughout the night, all while experiencing random moments of freezing temperatures, the sense of being watched, and a weird knocking that seems to go away every time you take off your headphones. If this has ever happened to you, or something similar, you may have had a paranormal experience. Hello, and welcome to the Dark Cryptids Podcast with your host, Devin Bloodworth. Tonight, we will be discussing everyday people's encounters with the paranormal. So, dim the lights, sit back, and enjoy the show. A forest returned belongings to me, and I still think about this years later. By user Stratzilla. I don't really believe in a paranormal, but it still fascinates me. I keep an open mind, even if my default is apprehension or disbelief. Because I like the idea that extraordinary things can happen to people. It's interesting if that makes sense. However, there is one scenario that happened to me that I still cannot explain to this day. This happened some years ago. I went to visit a friend some four to five hours away. I was 21 or 22. This was my first time traveling to visit friends at this distance. I'd never even taken a train before. My friend used to live in my city, but his family moved when we were younger. Still kept in touch. He'd visit sometimes, and this was the first time I'd visit him. His family lives in a much smaller town, and it was also fairly rural. Behind his house was an area of untamed wilderness. I'll call a forest for clarity, even if it probably didn't classify as one. Just lots of trees and brush left unmaintained into nature. It was their house, then 30 to 40 feet to a chicken wire fence, and then a further 250 to 300 feet is where you'd start entering the forest. My friend and his siblings alleged if you left a belonging on the other side of the fence, not necessarily in a forest, it would be returned to you sometime later. I love it. Super cryptic and of low stakes. I'll run with their story for now. There's other stories they've told me about other things about the forest, but I'll focus on this one. First night I was there, I threw a hat a bot across the fence. And a few hours later, my friend told me he found it on his porch. This didn't seem like proof of anything to me. I assumed he was messing with me. I tried again the same night, monitoring my friend in the process. And when we went out to have a cigarette, I found a hat on the porch. Whatever. One of his siblings could be in on the prank. The second night, unbeknownst to my friend... I took a belt buckle of his and threw it as far as I could across the fence. And again, it suffered the same fate. On their front porch just a couple hours later, 
I still wasn't super convinced. Maybe someone saw me and quickly went looking. At this point, I started to get creeped out, but my disbelief still prevailed. The third night, we decided to go into the forest. It was me, my friend, and my friend's friend, who had a crutch due to a leg injury. We climbed over the fence, start walking across towards the forest, and get about 50 feet deep in when all of our flashlights went off in unison. My friend yelled for us all to run back, and I didn't question it. I bolted. However, in the process, I dropped my hat. I was fidgeting with it as we walked. When we got back into the house, my hat was inside. In their basement, my suitcase zipped up. This shook me greatly because my friend already had a sizable head start versus me when we all ran. There was no way he could have got back to pick up the hat. I was with him when we all reached the house. Compounding this, we ran a straight line right back to the house. There's no way someone could have grabbed it and ran a different route to beat us home. And to top it all off, we locked the house before we embarked on our night walk. And it wasn't a duplicate hat either, unless they managed to replicate the wear and tear of my hat to the T for this one. We didn't talk about it. I was done with it and wanted nothing more to do with the forest. We all basically went, oh, this just happened, and just dropped it completely. I left my hat with him when I left for home, half hoping and half dreading it would find its way back with me at home later on, but it never did. My friend and I kind of fell out of favor with each other for unrelated reasons shortly after this. If we ever reconcile, and it's been years since, I want to talk with him about this and maybe even visit again. Their stories of occurrences in this forest are numerous, and if just for my curiosity, I'd love to explore this more. Terrible Ouija Experience by user Danny DeVito's Baby. I never believed in Ouija boards until I was in college. My freshman year, my roommate brought one and we all decided to play with it as a hoax. We planned this whole thing out and we scared him real bad. Next time we used it, we decided to actually try it and see if it would work. And it did. A little too well. We lived in West Philly, next to a cemetery and on land that used to be a mental asylum for indentured servants and slaves, as well as a farm where a lot of slaves died before, uh, before abolition. Not to mention all the people who died to violence in West Philly over the years. We got a lot of interesting people at first. A doctor who died from typhoid fever. A slave who was whipped to death. A young man who shot in the 80s. We were even able to find some of their graves in the cemetery exactly where they told us they'd be. It was like uncovering a key to the past, but then things started to get really bad. We got a child who refused to give us their name or tell us anything about their past. Instead, it kept asking us questions, and when we didn't answer, it would start to spell the answers out for us. Things that none of us would know about each other, or that we never talked about. Stuff like childhood nicknames in foreign languages, stuff like embarrassing moments. We would play for hours, so... It had a lot of time to spell out whole paragraphs. 
And then it like uncovered one of our friends who wasn't even playing secret. Some childhood trauma she hadn't told anyone about. She started sobbing and immediately stormed out. We tried to say goodbye to the spirit, but it wouldn't let us. It was like vehemently pushing the eye away from the goodbye. We finally hung up, for lack of a better word, and checked on our friend who then told us a story. We were all dumbfounded. She never played again, but we were hooked. Unfortunately for us, every time we used it after that, we would get the same spirit. Uh, eventually, we uncovered his name, Ubel, and he told us that he wasn't technically a real kid. He died during the pregnancy and killed his mother along with him. She never named him, so he picked his own name. He said we were his first and only friends, and that he loved us and would find a way to be with us. We immediately were freaked out and put the board away for good since we were convinced Ubel was a demon. Only, it wasn't for good. The board would magically appear around our dorm. It would be open and have the eyes set to yes. We would hear strange noises at night. Footsteps, croaking, rattling. Whenever we talked about anything in the room with the Ouija board, strange things would happen. My roommate had set up those glow-in-the-dark decals in his room. Our other friend said she liked them and that she wanted some. The same one who vowed never to play after it uncovered her secret. That night she went to bed and when she turned off the light her ceiling was covered with glowing symbols. She called us over and we all saw it but when we tried to take photos of it it wouldn't show up on camera. After we turned the lights back on they disappeared and never came back. We had enough so we decided to play one last time and tell him to stop and leave us alone. He got angry and started saying a string of random numbers and letters. We googled them convinced it meant something and the only thing that came up was a radio station. We tuned in on our phone and it was a religious radio channel and the host said all the sinners who were listening would face eternal damnation. We were terrified, and then the eye rapidly started spelling out, See you soon. 321, goodbye. And as it did that, my friend's stuffed rabbit croaked as if it were a dead creature and flew off the shelf. We ripped him open to see if there's a voice box inside or something to explain it, and there was nothing. We threw the board into the closet and never touched it again for the next two years. Two years later, I came across it again, realizing it must have accidentally ended up in my stuff after we moved out, and I decided to play with it to see what would happen this time, thinking that last time it was all an elaborate hoax my roommate had cooked up to get back at us for scaring him the first time. This time it was me and a whole new group of friends, and as soon as we asked the first question, it starts spelling. You bell. I never let it finish. I immediately moved it to goodbye and told my friends we were done. I've tried to board several times since then, and every time I get you bell, no matter who I'm with, people who have never even heard the original story, 
I'm done with these for life. Ever since playing with it the first time, I've attracted spirits like wildfire. Dang, man, I gotta say, uh, I'll give you credit for being brave on that one. If I had a Ouija board the very first time something like that happened, I would have been out. I wouldn't have touched that thing afterwards, so kudos to you for being brave. <laughs> Some would call stupid enough to keep going back to that board, even after that happened. But let's get on with the next door. A weird occurrence that made me sick to my stomach by user eyebrows wear. A few nights ago, I had a wedding to attend. Whenever I have to dress fancy, I put on the sparkly necklace that my grandma left to me when she pa passed away. The chain is very, very thin gold, and the pendant is a thick, solid gold R, which is my grandma's and my first initial. The front of the R is covered in diamonds, and it's a kind of necklace pendant that doesn't twist or rotate. It stays facing whichever way you put it on, so naturally every time I put this necklace on, I always check to make sure I put it on the right way, shiny side facing out. So before the wedding, I put on the necklace as per usual, looked in the mirror to make sure it was on the right way, which it was. Then I go to the wedding and take a bunch of pictures with friends, all the while, and every single picture, my necklace is faced the right way. Then I get home, I'm exhausted, and go lay in bed. I'm too tired to take off my jewelry and makeup, so I leave the necklace on. Which I never ever do because the chain is fragile. Right before I went to sleep, my cat jumped into the bed with me and was laying across my chest being adorable. So I took a picture of her laying on my chest. In that picture of my cat, taken moments before I went to sleep, the necklace was on the right way sparkly diamond side facing out. I had a horrible dream that night where someone was pulling my necklace and I was yelling at them to stop but it was too late and the necklace broke off my neck. Instead of the person taking it and stealing, the moment it broke it fell to the floor and the person who broke it disappeared slash evaporated. I then picked it up off the ground and was examining it close to my face and realized that the clasp was broken and I was all upset about it. The next morning I jolted awake from the dream and went to take a shower. I looked at myself in the mirror and saw something that made my stomach drop to the floor. My necklace was on backwards. The diamond side was facing inwards, which was impossible unless it was taken off me and turned completely around and put back on. I definitely didn't take it off myself in my sleep because I have arthritis in my hands, so it's really hard for me to unclasp it even while I'm awake because it's so small. I asked my husband if he had taken it off me in my sleep and he said no and that he was working on his computer the entire time I was asleep and didn't even come into the room once. I have zero explanation for how this could have possibly happened. I've racked my brain for literally any reasonable answer and I can't think of one. Gives me shivers to even think about it, to be honest. Also, the chain is too small to fit over my head, so it couldn't have come off that way. So, 
I would kind of take that in one of two ways, to be honest with you. There's a good way to take that and a bad way to take that. My opinion, the best case good way to take it is maybe your grandma's looking out for you and just wanted to kind of give you a sign that, hey, I'm here. I'm looking out for you. Or uh, worst case, uh, you might end up be dealing with a haunted item, to be honest with you. Um, because I don't know. I just find it weird that this is the only paranormal experience that you've had. Well, according to your story, I don't know if you've had others, but it feels a little weird that this would be the only one you have, and it seemed to only happen when you fell asleep with a necklace on. So maybe the necklace itself might be haunted, or like I said, it could be your grandmother looking out for you and just letting you know that she's there, which is best case scenario. Um, but yeah, I highly doubt that it got moved around in your sleep. Uh, there's lots of things that you could do that's weird in your sleep, but even without the arth arthritis in your hand, I highly doubt that you're going to be able to take off the necklace and put it back on in your sleep backwards. I've done weird stuff sleepwalking and I've never done anything that required that much hand-eye coordination that I can think of. But we're going to actually go ahead and take a short ad break here. It's only going to be a one minute, two minute long ad break. So make sure to join us back here in a few minutes. Thank you for listening, y'all. Alright, so we are back. And this next story is, honestly, in my opinion, like this one's the one that creeps me out more than the other stories because it's a shorter one, but it's subtle. And in my opinion, like the subtle stories that aren't like way over the top with uh activity are the ones that kind of scare me more because I find them a lot more realistic. But let's go ahead and get into this next story. Apparently, I babysat more than one kid by user duskmuse711. When I was 13, I babysat a little girl named Emma from one of the sweetest kids you could think of. I was a regular babysitter for her, so much so that when I couldn't babysit for a few months, months, she called all her other babysitters by my name. This happened after I came back to be a regular babysitter for her. It was about 10.30 at night. I had already put Emma to bed and had been channel surfing. The house was set up that the front half was open concept. The living room, dining room, and kitchen were side by side, and between the living room and dining room was an open doorway to the back half of the house. At one end was Emma's room, the other end has her parents, with the bathroom connected to the parents' room. Now, while sitting on a couch, I heard something run down the hall to the bathroom. Assuming it was just Emma going to the bathroom, I let it be a few minutes went by, and I heard the feet heading back down the hall. I turned to tell her to go back and make sure she flushed, as I heard it, heard it but I only saw the tips of black hair that had ran past the do open doorway. Here's a problem. Emma is blonde. I quickly jumped up and rushed to Emma's bedroom, throwing open the door. 
her nightlight bright enough to make her out as she sat up and looked at me, rubbing her eyes in confusion. I asked her if she had went to the bathroom. When she shook her head, I did a once-over of her room, checking under her bed and a quick peek in her closet. I didn't see anything, and I just told Emma I was double-checking for monsters. I tucked Emma back in, saying goodnight as I headed out of her room again. Leaving it slightly open, I began to walk away, but stopped when I heard Emma speak, thinking she was going to ask me something. I turned to listen, only to hear... You should have said something. Don't scare her. I really like her. I didn't say anything to the mom about this and continued to babysit Emma until she moved away. I always made an effort after that to include the being. If Emma was drawing an extra spot, if Emma was drawing an extra spot was set up, it seem, seemed to make Emma happy, and nothing ever startled me again. So, like I said, that was one of my more favorite stories out of tonight's episode. Uh, the reason that story right there, I was kind of stuttering a lot, and this is absolutely nothing against the person who wrote it, but there's definitely like a lot of grammatical issues kind of going on and spelling issues. Um, so that was the reason I was kind of stuttering over my words a few times there because when I read these stories, I try to read them only one time before the episode. That way, when I read it again, it's a little bit more genuine instead of me practice reading the story over and over again before the episode. Um, so pretty much like every time I read a story on here, it's only my second time reading it. And I'm just kind of winging it, to be honest. But that was a great story. Uh, that would definitely creep me to hell out, like I said. The only thing creepier to me than uh, like paranormal activity type of things is paranormal activity involving kids. <laughs> Especially little girls. That scares the shit out of me, honestly. But, alright... Let's get on to this next story. And this next story is actually going to be our last story. But it's actually a pretty good one. So I figured this story will kind of head us off with a bang tonight. All right, let's go ahead and get right into it. I witnessed something with a few friends in the woods nine years ago that haunts me till this, till this day. By user walk before you crawl 187. Me and some of my buddies used to go to this place called Profile Rock in Freetown, Massachusetts. Late at night sometimes, 2 to 3 in the morning. One night during the summer, I go to Profile Rock with three of my friends at 2.30 in the morning just to mess about and explore. Now, I didn't notice at the time, but Profile Rock in the area we were in is part of an area called the Bridgewater Triangle, which is a site of... Alleged paranormal activities and also one of the most haunted areas in the state I live in. Continuing on, we climbed Profile Rock itself, stayed on top of it for maybe three to four hours, and we all decided to leave. Now, as you're leaving Profile Rock, you have to go down this long path that's about two miles long to get back to where we parked our car. 
two of my friends are walking about 20 to 30 feet in front of me and my other friend. Now, I'll never know why I turned around. I didn't have a feeling like someone was watching us. I just simply turned around because besides the moonlight shining through the trees in certain areas, we only had cell phone flashlights to make our way around. I remember turning around and seeing someone running at us from about 150 feet away at full speed. What threw me off wasn't that they were running at us, it was how they were running. You know how a zombie walks in a horror movie, dragging one of its legs, almost limping? That's how this someone was running at us. At first, I didn't say anything, and possibly assumed it was one of my friends or someone that was already in there who got injured and needed assistance. Until this someone made it to an area of the path where the moonlight reached through the trees and gave them some perspective. What I saw still chokes me up to this day. You ever see a child try to draw a person? How they make a stick figure most of the time? That's exactly how this someone looked. I caught maybe a 10 second glance as it was running under the moonlight lit trees, but I saw no distinguishable face, facial features. No eyes, no mouth, and no ears. Its arms and legs look like that of an extremely malnourished person, only completely black, and it didn't look like skin or any type of clothing from what I could see. I almost can't even describe it to be honest, and you could blatantly tell it wasn't a mask or one of those Halloween blacked out suits. I recall calling out to my friend in a panicked voice, who was walking with me, who was now maybe 10 feet ahead of myself. I shined my cell phone flashlight on him as he was looking at where I was just looking and I could tell right away from his facial expression that I wasn't seeing things. It was now maybe 40 feet away from us, if that almost the same distance as our friends in front of us and me and my friend just took flight and started running. My two other friends in front shot around and asked us what was wrong and I replied just run and all four of us jetted for our car. I remember taking a glance back as we were running, and there was nothing there, even though whatever was chasing us would certainly be on our tails by now. We all hopped in the car, and my friend who was walking with me yells, Dude, tell me you seen that. What the fuck was that? I told him I seen the exact same thing. I asked him to describe to all of us what he saw, and he described literally the exact same thing I witnessed. By now, my other two friends are thinking we were joking around or messing with them, until my friend who was walking with me swore on his father, who has passed away not even a month ago, that he's telling the truth. I was kind of frustrated to be honest, because I couldn't believe my other two friends didn't see it as they turned around to question why we were running, but it doesn't matter now. We actually went back there with a few more people the day after and witnessed nothing, of course. I'll never know what it was or who it was or what it wanted, but I know one thing. There is no way in hell two people imagined seeing some stick figure specter in the woods. Whew. I gotta say, man, that creeps me out uh, for a few reasons. Um, the biggest thing is, 
I hate the woods at night. Like, don't get me wrong. I love going to the woods. I love going camping. Like, I'm all about that shit. But what always scares me about going camping, especially by myself, is late at night. Because something about the woods is just like, you're isolated, you're alone. If anything happens, you're just screwed. Um, but what I think you might have been dealing with could have been a shadow figure. Because uh, to me, that sounds about right. Um, you know, no facial features, all black. But then again, the way you described them, it sounded like it was like an actual physical thing that you saw and could touch and could feel. So I have no idea what the hell that was. Um, and reading up on cryptid stuff, paranormal stuff, I gotta say I haven't heard that one before. The closest thing I can kind of think of is a crawler. Um, which I don't know if you guys know what that is, but if you like look at the rake episode I did, the rake and the crawler more or less look the same to be honest. And I'm getting those kind of vibes from that. Um, based off of being malnourished, uh, running at you. The only thing that wouldn't match up is not having the facial features. I'm pretty sure crawlers have some sort of facial features. But either way, great story, man. Great story. That one creeped me out. But before we end the episode, I would like to thank everyone again for their constant support and for listening to the show. Right now, our current audience size is just shy of 130, which on the last episode, we was at 100. So in just uh, two weeks, it took me to make this episode. Um, we actually gained 30 additional people. So that's amazing. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, the city and state with the most viewers right now is Houston, Texas. So thank you, Houston, specifically for all the support. Uh, my mother actually just moved over to Houston, Texas. I'd like to think she's one of those uh, listeners, but either way, thank you, Houston, Texas, for your support, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing y'all. I'm noticing y'all. So y'all keep doing what you're doing. Just share the podcast. People you think might enjoy it. Uh, but right now, I really want to make an episode for my next episode just filled with uh, listener stories. Uh, basically, just from my audience members and just my listeners. Um, so to make that happen, just please uh, submit some stories to me. You can check out the new Instagram. It's going to be called The Dark Cryptids Podcast. It's going to be all lowercase, no spaces. Uh, basically, name it a podcast except without any spaces in it. Um, I'll also post show updates on there as well. To be honest, I haven't like really been posting anything on there uh, besides just uh, when a new episodes came out. But, you know, when I find the time to do that, I will. Uh, just right now, I do work kind of a crazy schedule, and this is why this episode's taken so long to get out. Uh, essentially, my schedule is I work 8-12 hour shifts, and then I have 6 days off. So the only time I can really push out episodes is those 6 days off. Uh, today's an exception, though. I just got off a shift uh, about an hour or two ago. Figured I'd push out this episode for you guys. But thank you again, everyone, for listening. Can't wait for y'all to join us next time. But until then, have a good night and stay spooky. <laughs>